Now, The Interpreter Show, with discussion, debate, and the latest information on all kinds of religious issues and topics. Welcome back. This is the second segment of Interpreter Radio. This segment is brought to you by the Interpreter Foundation, the mission of which is to support the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints through scholarship. The Interpreter Foundation defends the Church against criticisms and against misstatements and misunderstandings. Nevertheless, we are not directly affiliated with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and any information that we speak or publish is solely our own responsibility. We are also sponsored this hour by the Kimber Academy, which is a K-12 private school, which has a wonderful curriculum based on God and learning in the classroom. The academic level of Kimber Academy is second to none. You'll also learn, if you are a student, about faith, morality, and about actual subjects that are really important to know, like math, reading, science, and many other things. At Kimber Academy, every student's voice is heard, and every parent's voice is also heard. Kimber Academy is located in Linden, Utah, and many other places. If you'd like more information... To see whether it's a good fit for your student, go to Kimber Academy, excuse me, KimberSchool.com. That's KimberSchool.com. Or you can call the director, Jessica Bianco, at 801-382-7158. During this segment, I wanted to talk about some of the questions that are sometimes raised about the record that we know as the Book of Mormon. I'm Martin Tanner, hosting this segment. I'm glad you're aboard with me. Questions that come up with critics, and I've sparred with many of them in in debates, and frankly, it's kind of fun. Uh, Don't shy away from questions. Find out where to get the answers. A good place to get answers would be the Interpreter Foundation's website, interpreterfoundation.org. Also, at FairLatterdaySaint.org. FairLatterdaySaint.org has the answers to over 30,000 questions raised by critics about the church. Some of those I'm going to answer today, and I think it'll be kind of fun. How about this question, which critics sometimes raise? Were there really ancient records that were written on on metal plates like it discusses in... 1 Nephi chapter 1, verse 17, and in our official Joseph Smith history. Did people really write on ancient metal plates? Here's a question. We read about Nahum, a place where Ishmael died. Is there really a place like that? What about Old World Bountiful? It talks about a beautiful place with fruit, with fresh water and things. Hey, if you go out on the Arabian Peninsula, isn't it just a pile of sand? Is there really an old world bountiful? And one that comes up over and over and over again. 
There were no horses in the New World before Columbus came, and there certainly weren't any elephants. Horses are mentioned in 1 Nephi 18.25 in the Book of Venus and also in Alma. And elephants, although not mentioned during the Nephite times, they're mentioned during Jaredite times in Ether chapter 9, verse 19. And what about large cities? You know any Native Americans who had large cities? I thought they all lived in the forests on the east coast of the northern United States or in uh, teepees like we read about out west. Well, what about it? Were there large cities like we read about in Helaman chapter 8, verses 5 and 6? And were they actually made out of cement? What about highways that are mentioned in Helaman 14 and elaborate thrones and walled cities? Well, let's jump through a few of these. We don't have time to go into too much detail, but we have sometimes to, to do that. Let's take a look at, first of all, metal plates. The short answer is yes, we have many examples of those. One of the biggest ones that is brought up over and over is Persian King Darius I, who lived from about 550 to 486 BC, made a number of gold and silver plates. They were not discovered until 1938 in which modern-day Iran. He put them under the cornerstones of his palace, and they were in a sealed stone box. So, from the ancient Middle East, there you have an example of just what Joseph Smith described, something that was completely unknown in his day, ancient writing on gold and silver plates and sealed in a stone box. You also have New World examples of this as well. If you go to the Peabody Museum at Harvard University, you can find there a gold plate that was written on that was discovered in 1899 at Chichen Itza on the Yucatan Peninsula. And this particular plate shows that this kind of writing on gold plates was known in the New World as well as the Old. Most of the Latter-day Saint scholars would think that Chichen Itza and the Yucatan Peninsula were locations where the Nephite record was taken care of. And these are just a few of the examples. There are gold plates that were found in Pergi, Italy, that date really, really early to about 1700 BC, and in many other places in the Old and in the New World. You also have the Copper Scroll, which is a metal plate, although it was rolled up as part of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so this is something that was unknown during Joseph Smith's time, has certainly been vindicated to be true since then. If this doesn't sound remarkable to you, try to come up with a way that people wrote in the past that's completely unknown and then see if somebody will vindicate your guess down the road 50 or 100 years into the future. Uh, pretty remarkable thing that Joseph Smith did there. Let's move on to the next question. Is there a place called Nahum? Nahum is the place where Ishmael died. Is it a real place? The short answer is yes. There have been a number of places uh, in which this information has been recorded. Nahum has been found. It's uh, 
in the right place according to the description that we have in the Book of Mormon. And it is something that we have carved into an altar. And it says Nahom. And it's at the right place and dates to the right time. A lucky guess? Well, it's more than just lucky. It would be miraculous if it were just a guess. So, yes, there is a place called Nahom. Joseph Smith got it right. It was only found well over a hundred years after Joseph Smith's death. What about Old World Bountiful? Is there really a place like Old World Bountiful is described in 1 Nephi chapter 17 and 1 Nephi chapter 18 where it talks about a beautiful place that had water and fruit and trees to make a ship and I, it, is that really true? If you go out on the Arabian Peninsula, isn't it arid? Short answer, there's a real place called Nahum. And it has been found. As a matter of fact, there are two possible places that have been found. One is Wadi Sayak, which was found in 1994. There's another one that was found called Salala in 1999 both of those meet the requirements and if you see them from up above it's quite breathtaking they are places where because of the landscape the clouds come off from the ocean and dump a lot of rain right there on the coast so in the middle of as i said earlier a pile of sand you have this beautiful oasis that is just uh, a few miles long and wide in which you have fresh water, fruit, and everything that the Book of Mormon describes. For more information, you can go to some of the writings of farms in the 1990s, and you can also get information at Book of Mormon Central on this, some of the know-whys, and, and a number of other places. Let's talk about some of the other things that have been found in the Book of Mormon that, that have been vindicated. Some of the things that have been vindicated that, that are really fascinating would include horses before Columbus. We mentioned that the horses are talked about in 1 Nephi 18.25, in Enos chapter 1, verse 21, and in Alma chapter 18, verses 9 through 12. There are a number of places where you have, I, I've actually put together a list of dozens of finds of horses that date to before Columbus, but after the last ice age in the New World. And there are many of them, many, many of them. And these are not LDS sources. These are sources from the La Brea Tar Pits. These are sources that are found from the Yucatan Peninsula. A number of them that have been found by uh, different government workers that have been carbon-14 dated. Illinois State University is, is one of the big sources. Um, I, I could go on and on, but there are literally dozens of these. 
another fascinating thing that's mentioned it is that you can actually find newspaper articles on this. If you go to the July 17, 2005 San Diego Union Tribune, you will find an article that mentions pre-Columbian horses and right on the front page is a photograph of them being dug up in the San Diego, California area. And why is this significant? Well, it's significant because they were radiocarbon dated to sometime between uh, 1625 and 1705. And this shows that there were horses that were there before the Spanish arrived at that portion of, of the New World. They were not brought by the Spaniards. They were not shod. They were different in terms of their um, DNA makeup. It's pretty obvious. And, and then you have some other, uh, some other reasons as well. All right, uh, enough of that. Let's move on to just one other example. Elephants, like it discusses in Ether 919, were there really elephants that were in the New World? They're mentioned in, in the Book of Ether. We know that the Tower of Babel incident is traditionally dated by Jews to about 2500 BC. Paleontology proves that mammoths survived in Alaska until at least 3500 BC. There's an article that says this, quote, Woolly mammoths populations survived on several small islands in Alaska, the Beringian Islands. Five independent indicators of extinction show that mammoths survived on St. Paul until at least that time period, close quote. Still, that's a thousand years before the Jaredite. So, so what about it? Well, there are a number of remains of mammoths that have been uncovered in Mexico City, reported a 2016 BBC Reuters article, June 25th of 2016 to be specific, these were discovered in several regions of Mexico, and we just have several indications of that. We also have an American Journal of Science article stating that there's evidence that mammoths lived on until about 2000 BC. Now, that would be well within the time of the Jaredites. That's volume 37, issue 11995 on pages one through six, if you want to take a look at that. It was published on the 18th of July, 2016. This is way after the Jaredites. So let's look at a couple of, of other comments that are often brought up as something that could not possibly be real. What about the idea of steel existing 600 BC. Is that possible? First Nephi 
chapter 4, verse 9 talks about the sword of Laban. And it says, quote, The hilt thereof was of pure gold, the workmanship thereof was exceedingly fine, and the blade thereof was of the most precious steel, close quote. Now, didn't steel just happen in the last couple of hundred years? Was there really steel that was around at the time of Lehi and Nephi? The short answer is yes. And the fascinating part of it is that this is the Vera Jericho sword, and it dates to approximately 650 B.C., give or take. And interestingly enough, it was found in Israel. And so this whole idea that steel swords, and, and by the way, the Jared Verico sword is, is most definitely made out of steel. It is on display in the Israel Museum in Jerusalem. And so this demonstrates that uh, these kinds of steel swords were around during the very time and in the very location that the Book of Mormon describes Laban's sword of steel. The Jared Verico sword, as near as can be determined, dates to about 648 B.C. It's about three feet long and three inches wide. It's quite long for an ancient Near Eastern sword. And it is fascinatingly exquisite. There have been a number of um, recreations of it. Just a couple of more that, that we'll have time for today. Were there large cities like it talks about in Helaman chapter 8, verses 5 and 6? Were those really in existence? Interestingly enough, there aren't any in North America. The largest North American pre-Columbian Native American city was the Cahokia Mounds that are found in the state historic site that's currently in Illinois. It was first settled about 600 A.D., and its largest estimated population was about 40,000. That's not nearly big enough to even furnish enough people for the final Nephite battles. In contrast, there were a number of cities in Central America that had millions of people. And as a matter of fact, the LIDAR photographs that were taken in 2018 in and around Central America and the Yucatan Peninsula shows that there are actually somewhere around 15 million and perhaps more. It's possible that there were more people living in the Yucatan Peninsula at that particular time than lived in Europe. Millions of people during Jaredite times. Plenty of people to show that the statements in the Book of Mormon are not only plausible, but are very, very much supported. If you want information, take a look at the National Geographic article published on February 1st of 2018, the title of which is Exclusive Laser Scans Reveal Maya Megalopolis Below Guatemalan Jungle.
Here's a short excerpt from that amazing National Geographic publication. Quote, in what's being hailed as a major breakthrough in Maya archaeology, researchers have identified the ruins of more than 60,000 houses, palaces, elevated highways, and other human-made features that have been hidden for centuries under the jungles of northern Guatemala. Using a revolutionary technology known as LIDAR, short for light detection and ranging. Scholars digitally removed the tree canopy from aerial imaging of the now unpopulated landscape, revealing the ruins of a sprawling pre-Columbian civilization that was far more complex and interconnected than most Maya specialists had supposed. Close quote quite an amazing statement and it shows that right where Latter-day Saint scholars believe or at least most of them believe that the Book of Mormon uh, evidences or the Book of Mormon um, narrative happened you had populations that were great enough to support the final battles where in more than 250,000 people died here's another one that's fascinating were there cement cities in the New World, like we read about in Helam in chapter 3, verses 7, 9, and 11? Don't remember Cochise or Geronimo or any of the other Native Americans living in cement houses. And yet, we do have those in Central America. There's an artist rendition of El Mirador, that was constructed in approximately 550 B.C. and discovered in 1926 that was jointly excavated by Harvard, BYU, and Catholic universities. The buildings were, more, were mostly made of ultra-high-quality cement, even the homes. Some of them were five and six stories. It's absolutely incredible, and it fits precisely the description Given in Helaman 3.7, quote, there being but little timber, the people who went forth became expert in the working of cement. They did build houses of cement, close quote. Something that was counterintuitive for Joseph Smith, but turns out to be true. In Ether chapter 10, verse 6 talks about elaborate thrones. Really? Did you have early Native Americans who were sitting on thrones? <laughs> Sounds like something from the European area, but not from the New World. Ether chapter 10, verse 6 talks about elaborate thrones, and yet we do have Olmec thrones that date to 2300 B.C., which is... Something that meets with Ether chapter 10, verse 6, quote, And he, Riplakish, did erect him an exceedingly beautiful throne, close quote. So you have these kinds of things that, that are described in the Book of Mormon that are counterintuitive that really, really have been found. And I could go through many, many, many other examples, but... Uh, uh, well, you know what? Just one more. This is this is really a fun one because as you read the Book of Mormon, you you 
read about this interesting event where Ammon uh, protects the king's flocks. How does he do it? He hacks off a bunch of arms. And you're saying to yourself, well, wh- well why didn't he just stab them? Why would he hack off their arms? What in the world is going on here? You remember any soldiers from World War One or the Revolutionary War or World War Two hacking off arms or something to bring them back to show someone? It just sounds so different and so bizarre. But that's the description in Alma 17, verses 37, 38, and 39. Well, it turns out that that is a real thing in the New World. There is a mural that an astute Book of Mormon researcher took some photographs of. It was done by Diego Rivera, who was a meticulous painter. And his giant mural was was painted in uh, the late 1800s. It's, it's on display in the National Museum in Mexico City. And it shows an Aztec warrior holding a severed arm. And this was something in the New World and also in the Old World, where apparently to prove how many of the enemy had been killed... There were hands or arms that were gathered up and given to the king. There were some armies that were actually paid based on the number of slain enemies. Now, would they prove how many so that the king knew what the proper amount to pay them was? Well, he wasn't going to take their word for it or they would inflate the numbers. They had to show the severed hands of the enemies who had been killed. This is the real deal. All right, just a few of the dozens and dozens of examples of modern-day scholarship in archaeology that vindicates the story of the Book of Mormon as told by Joseph Smith that are counterintuitive, that critics used to think were reasons for it not being true, but have now turned into the very reasons that support it the most. Join us next week for Interpreter Radio. I'm Martin Tanner signing off. Have a wonderful day.